Welcome to another episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer, and we're very excited to have Team Mazda of El Cajon as a sponsor here at Left Coast Sports. Team Mazda, where your trade-in is always worth more, just off I-8 in El Cajon. Man, it feels good to have college basketball back, doesn't it? And on today's episode, we're getting you ready for another year of San Diego State basketball. The Aztecs once again projected to be one of the best teams in the West, and virtually no program in the country has been better than San Diego State over these last two seasons. Today, we'll look at what's ahead for the program with Tron Johnson, who does an excellent job with his coverage on Aztec Breakdown. But as always, before we get started with today's episode, please give us an auto-download on your podcast platform. You'll get future episodes automatically if you do that. Left Coast Sports is on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, the free iHeartRadio app, YouTube, many others as well. You can leave a review for us as well. And while you're here and listening, you can switch over to Twitter, Follow me there at John Schaefer. That is J O N S C H A E F F E R at John Schaefer. So the Aztecs are seeking a third straight Mountain West regular season championship. Expectations are once again very high on the Mesa. How much of an impact will a highly coveted transfer by the name of Matt Bradley have on San Diego State? And how will the Aztecs navigate this very difficult non conference schedule? Here's my conversation with Trone from Aztec Breakdown. So, Trone, when you think about replacing three 1,000-point scores, which is what San Diego State's going to have to do, obviously, Matt Mitchell, Jordan Sackle, Terrell Gomez are gone. Is that your primary concern? How do they make up for that lost offensive production heading into the year? Overall, yeah. I think I would narrow it down even more so to replacing the shooting from the perimeter. We both know Brian Dutcher loves those shooters and loves those perimeter skill sets. So definitely finding the offense in general, and then on a more specific level, finding that perimeter offense specifically, I think will be huge. What do you think about, you know, Matt Bradley comes in with high acclaim, obviously from Cal. He didn't necessarily win at Cal, but he was able to do everything else offensively specifically. Uh, We've heard so many comps between Matt Bradley and Matt Mitchell. I know we haven't seen a lot of Bradley as of yet, but how do you compare the two players? I think that the comps in basketball, we see a lot of players get compared due to their measurables, right? Their height, their weight, things like that. And it's not necessarily based on their skill set or their play style. And I think that's the case with Matt Bradley and Matt Mitchell, right? They're both guys who are big and strong for their size. Uh, but they don't they don't play the same way. Matt Bradley, from what I've been able to see, is much more of a finesse type of player. And he's more well-rounded offensively and less well-rounded defensively, whereas Matt Mitchell was able to just take whoever the best scorer was on the opposing team and lock him up at the end of games. That won't be Matt Bradley's role. Bradley will be will be much more of a offensive facilitator and scorer than Mitchell was. Do you see his most um, capable offense coming in a mid-range game? where Mitchell really shined, could it be from beyond the arc? Again, they're trying to make up for some of that point production from outside. He's a career 40% three-point shooter. Where do you think he'll be most capable offensively? I think he's pretty capable everywhere. I think a lot of it's going to depend on what's around him and what he ends up being comfortable to do in relative to the team around him, right? If he needs to provide that shooting because other guys aren't hitting those shots, I think he's capable to do that. If other guys end up stepping up and hitting those outside shots, that'll open up his game to finish in the mid range or finish at the rim and then kick out to shooters. Do you see uh, in terms of three point shooting to start the year? I mean, obviously Matt Bradley is going to be one of those guys. Trey Pulliam late in the year really turned it on the last 10 or 11 games. You know, Keyshawn Johnson is a guy that 
I think has been asked at times to probably shoot from the perimeter. Adam Seiko, we'll see if he starts or comes off the bench. It looks as if to start the year, he'll come off the bench. I mean, are we missing others? Is that basically the group that will be asked to carry the load from the perimeter? It's that's definitely most of them, right? Lamont Butler is starting at least it looks like over Adam Seiko early on. So we'll have to see how his shooting uh, develops. And then the only other big name is Keith Dinwiddie, yeah. who looks like he will probably be the ninth or 10th guy off the bench. We still, you know, have to see how that turns out over the course of the season, but he's a guy who can, who can light it up. And in the early goings, like in the exhibition against St. Catherine, he wasn't quite on his game, but a lot of the guys weren't. And we both know we can't take much from the exhibition. Mm -hmm. So seeing Keith Dinwiddie and how his shot comes along, and if he can light up that net for a couple games, that'll be huge. So we've talked a lot about depth because I think Brian Dutcher played 16 guys. Obviously, he'll never do that in a regular season game. I don't think anyone played more than 20 minutes the other night against St. Catherine. When you actually parse this down and look at what he's going to use maybe as early as the first couple of games of the year, what do you expect the rotation to be like? And who is the first, you know, first guy or two off the bench? Presumably Adam Seiko. Who from there? I think... I, I'm this is a big assumption. I'm guessing that the rotation during St. Catherine, if you look at the first guys that came off the bench, that's what it'll be. Uh, I believe it was Seiko, Tomayich, and Diabate all came off the bench in the first rotation. And then after that, it was Baker. And after that was Dinwiddie. And so I, I think for the first couple of games, that's probably what it'll be. And then we both know that Brian Dutcher will very much change his rotations depending on who's hot. But early on, that's what I'm looking for. Let's talk a little bit about some of these newcomers other than Bradley, because I'm intrigued by Chad Baker, Mazzara. I've only seen him play once. I mean, truth, mm -hmm. I saw him in the exhibition game against St. Catherine. I thought he did some things well. I also thought he committed a lot of fouls in a short period of time. Uh, Tahiro Diabate is an interesting guy who sat out last year at Portland, but has had some good offensive and defensive numbers before at times in his career at Portland. So speaking of those two specifically, how do you see them playing a role for this team early on? I think Chad Baker is another guy who we forgot to mention uh, when we were talking about shooters, right? He was a 40% shooter at Duquesne as a freshman. That was, I believe, only on 60 shots. So kind of a small sample size, but his shot looks good. So there's no reason he shouldn't be able to carry that over. Plus he's listed at six, seven. He looks a little taller than that, but he has guard type skills. He can handle the ball. He's talked in interviews about loving uh, facilitating for his teammates, how he would rather get an assist than finish with a bunch of points. Uh, so very much team-minded player. He also has great defensive analytics, has a lot of great size and length on that end. And then Diabate, when I watched games of him at Portland from two years ago, he reminded me at times of uh, a slightly less polished version of Yanni Wetzel in the way of how he was athletic, how great his footwork and his touch was around the rim how he could get out and pressure ball handlers and the pick and roll and do things of that nature. So I was very excited to see that tape and I'm looking very much forward to what he does on the Mesa this year. You know, we briefly touched on Trey Pulliam who, who really did have um, a strong finish. I mean, he was, he was there to shoot and he did, he became more confident in his shot. We know about his defense. All he is is a winner. I mean, he's 53 mm -hmm. and seven. It's really incredible. He played behind some of the best guards in the history of the program a couple of years ago. I think he's better off for it. Um, what type of progression do you expect? Like, where can he still improve? Where does he need to improve to help this team? I think the big thing will be the outside shot. And like you said, it was kind of starting to come along at the end of last year. I think, uh, I want to say it was Coach Velasquez has said 
on multiple times that if you get those guys from JUCO at the end of two years is when they finally start to like catch on. And now Trey Pullian gets his, gets his third year. So that's very exciting. If he can get that outside shot developed and he can hit shots coming off of the screen and the pick and roll, when those guys do dare him to shoot over them, that'll be huge for this team. You look at the continued offensive development of Nathan Mensah. I think we've probably talked about it for his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons. He's had moments in each of the last two years where he's had very good offensive games. He's also had games where he hasn't really been a focal point offensively. Uh, Do you expect, to some extent, the offense to look different around Mensah? Do you expect more shot attempts and uh, a higher scoring output for Mensah here in 2021? I am not expecting too much in that regard. I think there will be, there will be some, and there will definitely be games like we saw last year where he finishes with 15, 17 points, right. Depending Mm -hmm. on the matchup and how the game just progresses and how the other team defends him. I think that will definitely be a thing. And we might see, you know, three or four of those games instead of one or two this season. But overall, I think Dutcher coach Dutcher likes the place to start from the perimeter and he likes a lot of shooters and that's not exactly who Nathan Mensa is. And I think it also overall best serves the team for him to be focused on the defensive end. What do you want to see from Keyshawn Johnson? Some people refer to him as next factor. He was in the starting lineup against St. Catherine. He will to start the year as well. He's had moments as well. What, where does he need to take the next step? He needs to, in my humble opinion, he needs to work on his, perimeter skills he is a fantastic rebounder already his defense improved a lot at the end of last season and that should only continue to improve uh but his perimeter skills in terms of not only shooting the ball he'll be feeling kind of like that matt mitchell role where he fills into the corner to shoot those threes but also just his ability to handle the ball his ability to attack those closeouts drive and kick that whole perimeter package to in order to uh best play that small ball four role what do you think of this non-conference schedule, which Brian Dutcher said is probably as challenging as they've had, certainly while he's been head coach, maybe even during his time in the Mesa as an assistant for Steve Fisher. We talk about like six marquee non-conference games if you're adding in SC in the Wooden Legacy. I, I would argue it could be even more than that with what they have to open as well. But what do you think of the non-conference schedule in general? It is a very encouraging non-conference schedule. We are going to find out what this team is about and how good they can be very, very early on. Uh, it's obviously highlighted by that game at Michigan, but even before that, there's the game at BYU, and it's always very hard to win there. But that being said, the Aztecs won there a couple of years ago. So, you know, anything can happen. Uh, yeah, it's a very encouraging schedule. You know, I heard Mark Ziegler say as recently as this week, I think with me on the radio, that he thinks the Mountain West isn't just going to be improved. He thinks it's deep. You know, six, seven teams, maybe eight capable of beating anyone on their home floor, certainly. Maybe you still have a San Jose State and Air Force situation. We'll see about the Spartans if they're improved in year one under Tim Miles. But what's your impression of the league heading into the season? I think overall that statement that Ziegler gave you was an accurate one. I do think that people will take statements like that and blow them up to be more than they are. Right. Mm -hmm. So there might be seven or eight teams that are on a national scale average or maybe maybe slightly better than average. Uh, But that's not the same as having four or five teams that are tournament worthy. Right. Uh, I think this this conference probably has three teams that are tournament worthy. Now, whether all three actually make the tournament is yet to, to be seen. But I think this is a they have a decent chance to get three teams into the tournament this year. 
you know, the last couple of years, if you talk about ceilings, I mean, nobody predicted what happened in 2020 from a, a myriad of factors from the pandemic, but I'm talking about on floor. Nobody predicted heading into the year San Diego State was potentially number one seed and arguably the best team in the nation. Then last year, a really good overall year where they finished as number six seed in the NCAA tournament. Shoot, maybe with another victory, you're looking at a, a top four type seed with San Diego State. Mm -hmm. What do you see as a ceiling for this team when you look at the non-conference and you look at the conference schedule and you know that there's a chance they take on water, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not as good as the team that they had on the court last year. I think that this team, if we're talking absolute ceiling, like everything works out great, obviously there's no injuries. And then also like the right matchups happen in terms of the tournament and stuff. I think this team can make a sweet 16. I don't think that's what I would expect or what I would predict, but I think if we're talking ceiling, that's what I would say. Tell us about, you know, you've been doing excellent work with Aztec Breakdown. You've got a podcast. You've been writing as well. Tell us about uh, how you've gotten involved with this program and where our listeners can find more of your work. I, uh, John, I just got, I wouldn't even say I'm involved with the program. I'm just a fan, yeah. right? Like, like most of the people listening. And a couple years ago, uh, before even, I, I want to say before you ended up moving to San Diego and, and doing an excellent job that you're doing, uh, I was very much starved for coverage of the team. Um, and at one point I just, I was looking around at how other people do coverage and I was inspired by other content creators that do just great job covering local teams of their own. And I noticed nobody was doing that for the Aztecs really. And I was like, that's, that's a niche I can fill. Um, and it was just a great way to express my passions and meet other people that have similar passions. The community has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so it's, it's been great for those that if they don't already want to find my work, I have my own website, aztecbreakdown.com. I also write for the East village times, shout out to them. They do fantastic work over there and the mountain West wire. How much are you looking forward to a final question? How much are you looking forward to Viejas being backfilled? Uh, Viejas being filled will be cool. I actually don't live in San Diego at the moment. So I, if I'm lucky, get to one game a year. Uh, the last game I was at was the Kawhi Leonard retirement mm -hmm. game. And that was absolutely magical. But even just, even just watching on TV or streaming, whatever it may be, uh, there's something special about hearing the crowd get into the games. That's just, it's, I can't explain it. It's just such a nice feeling. So having that stadium be full and rocking will be amazing. Yeah, it should be fun. There's no question about it. It's been 600 days since Aztec fans in a regular wow. season game. Over 600 days were there at Viaz Arena. One more time uh, for people looking for the website or for your podcast. How can they find it? Uh, AztecBreakdown.com. The podcast is on all the major podcast places, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, all the deal. And just uh, it's the Aztec Breakdown podcast. So all, all really synergistic there. Trone, we appreciate it. Enjoy the season. Thanks for doing it today. Thank you very much, John. All right, a great breakdown there of the Aztecs with Trone Johnson of Aztec Breakdown. Should be really an awesome season. Fun year on the Mesa. And again, if you haven't already, please subscribe and auto-download future episodes on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on. Leave a review as well. And again, follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at John Schaefer. For previous episodes or more information about Left Coast Sports, you can visit yourview.com. That's Y-U-R-V-I-E-W.com. And again, that reminder, we're thrilled to have T. Mazda of El Cajon as a sponsor here at Left Coast Sports. 
T-Mazda, where your trade-in is always worth more, just off I-8 in El Cajon. As always, we thank you for listening. We'll catch up again next time right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer.